Well, it's a great joy to welcome Reverend Celia with us today. It's her first visit, not just to Rediscover, but her first visit to Exeter. Um, she's a lady who travels around the world, um, 52 nations she's visited, ministering the gospel. She speaks to CEOs, to um, leaders of nations, and she also mentors young people. She is involved in so many areas. She's pastored church. But she's an apostolic grace-carrying person. She carries something that stirs the body of Christ up. And I'm going to ask you to put your hands together and welcome Reverend Celia. Bring God's word. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, Pastor Mark. Well, good morning to you. It's a good, 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 good morning. Um, I'm enjoying Exeter. I have... Um, eaten some great fish and chips that I look forward to. <laughs> Truth be told, that's why I came. <laughs> but I said this morning that Jesus said, when you go somewhere to preach, you're not obligated to release what you have until you have seen how they treat you. Seriously, go and read it. And he said, because how they treat you is indicative of how they will treat what you bring. That's why when he went into a city and they did not receive him as he was, he left without ministering. He could not do any miracles. It didn't mean that he did not have capacity to. But he did not find the cooperation and the excitement. Nor the anticipation. And God is not going to give his spell to swine. God never called anybody swine. It's just that when you give pearl to swine, they don't know how to exhibit and glorify it. They put it in the mat. And God will not have that of his glory. I have seen, met a house that is very receptive. Just, Jason texted me like 50 times just to make sure that I was okay from the day that I accepted the invitation. And, and it was, it's always wonderful. It's always wonderful. I always tell pastors, be careful who picks up your guests because they are the first ambassadors of the church. Be careful who interacts with the church. So I'm already excited because I, the first person I wanted to meet was David, that was Jason. You know, it was lovely. But thank you so much for your warmth, for your hospitality. I got to spend time with your family. And I fell in love with your family. I even fell in love with your dog, Scarlett. That's saying something. I didn't tell them yesterday. I said, I hope they don't have a dog. I told my sister. So when I called home to say I'm fine, they said, was there a dog? I'm like, was there a dog? Or was the dog lying next to me and I was stroking it? I've arrived. But listen, hey, stop laughing. My time is going. <laughs> I just want, I said this morning, I wanted to also appreciate when I see good pastors, and from the time I met, I think we met at a Care UK retreat, and then I, I think last year I met you and Nita as well. Um, pastors are, congregations are revealed by pastors. When you meet a pastor who comes from a trouble-giving congregation, you know you can sum up the congregation just by meeting the pastor for 10 minutes. But I met pastors who were like showing off about their people, you know? They're good, they're cool, they're at rest. It doesn't mean pastors don't have challenges, but it just shows that they don't have congregations that give them wahala or stress. No pastor can arrive by themselves. Every leader needs the cooperation of his people. So... Earlier in scripture, you see even God, the ultimate pastor, come to his sub-pastor and tell him, hey, Mo, 
we've got problems with these people. The agenda, the objective is to go to the promised land, is to, is to redeem those lands for the kingdom. But we can't do it with these people. So I have a great strategy. Let's kill all of them. <laughs> By the way, I'm not making this up. You know that's in the book, right? Let's kill all of these people. That's God's best strategy. And let's raise up another. And Moses said to God, not on your Nelly. You're going to have to kill me first. That shows Moses' pastoral love for his congregation. But the reason I'm saying this is sometimes we don't always appreciate the choices that leaders have to make. Against the prophetic counsel of God, God was like, eh, you know more than me, right? God's giving a prophetic insight of what can happen in the future. They will frustrate you. They will sabotage you. You're not going to make it. And his strong love for his shepherd in heart, he called it this morning. For his people overrode God's pastoral uh, prophetic counsel. That's how much leaders love their people. And it costs Pastor Mo his future. I mean, we're hoping that our leaders will make better choices. But I just wanted to say, let's appreciate them. Because it couldn't have been, you know, I've said it, you're laughing, but it couldn't have been easy for Moses. I can imagine at night he's thinking, what do I do? My life for theirs. My future for theirs. And in the end, he said, like, God, I just can't let you do these people, this thing. They've journeyed with me. They've given me sleepless nights. They're miserable, murmuring people. Nothing satisfies them. But they still is my people, man. We thank you. Thank you for loving us, warts and all. Thank you for making choices, good and bad because of us. But you know what? Thank you for staying the course. Thank you. Ladies and gentlemen. But you know something also? Thank you for being who you are. Ten years ago, you could have easily rejected him. He came with his shoes. He didn't come to fill in one. And you know the most difficult thing for any church is transition. God's biggest problem with, 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 with Israel was two things. It was not a sin problem. It was an identity problem and it was a transition problem. Because when, even when people prefer garlic and leek in slavery to the challenges of liberty and freedom, you understand what I'm saying? Yeah. And, and, and they preferred the old, yeah. as bad as it is. As we say, the devil you know. You could have easily been rejected. I know many pastors who can't take it anymore. Like, God, I know I'm only a pastor, but get me out of here. But you received them. You accommodated them. You allowed them to become them. And so today I believe that God celebrates you too. Amen. Thank you. Thank you so much. Well, this morning I, I spoke out of my spirit, and I'm going to do that a little bit, and then it's be slightly different from, from some of the things I shared. I don't know where God is going to take us. So, Holy Spirit, here I am. 
Put your words in my mouth. Let me speak as the oracles of God this morning. A word in season to the weary. Let your word be irreversible and irrevocable. Accomplishing what you're assigning it to do in the lives of your people. We pull down strongholds in our mindsets, oh God, of everything that exalts itself against God's truth. Everything that is prevailing in our hearts and minds that drives us away from you. Father, that masquerades as you, we ask that it be exposed today. Transform us by the renewing of our minds. Heal us while we are speaking. Bring deliverance while we are speaking. Ignite fires inside of us. Strengthen us with might in the inner man and to all patience and love suffering. Father, give us a revelation of you and a revelation of us. Yeah. Let no word that I speak fall to the ground without bringing forth a mighty harvest. So, Father, allow me to speak sensitively according to your will. In hearing, cause us to hear. In seeing, cause us to see, perceive as I speak in love and humility to your people. In Jesus' name, amen. One of the most significant things that have changed my life recently has been a scripture. One day I was praying and this came in my heart and it's from Revelation chapter 12, uh, verse, uh, verse uh, 10 actually says, Then I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, Now salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ have come. For the accuser of our brethren who accused them before our God day and night has been cast down. And they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb. We say this all the time. And by the word of the testimony. And they did not love their lives to the death. But what we fail is verse 12. We fail to go there. This is it. He says, therefore rejoice, O heavens, and you who dwell in them. Woe to the inhabitants of the earth and the sea. For the devil has come down to you. Even God feels sorry for us. Man, that's serious stuff. You know, I know we say, oh, the devil is doing this. But even when heaven sits back and said, my God, the earth is in trouble. The earth is in great trouble because Satan has come down, having great wrath because he knows that he has a short time. My heart fell when I read this. Now I understood the things that are happening. And it doesn't get better when it comes to this, what darkness is doing. It gets worse. Then a song of proclamation of redemption comes in, Matthew 16, 18. Matthew 16, 18. You know this already. Jesus declares this. And I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you lose on earth will be lost in heaven. And Verse 18 says, and I also say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church. I will build my church, and the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. I'm like, yes! The devil has come down to do his worst, but there's an army that has been built to do their best. You don't understand what I'm saying. Listen, today I prayed for you. I prayed that God would give you a hunger and a thirst for greater things, for wonderful things, that God would activate you. You know why God gives you hunger? Jesus will never bless you beyond your hunger and your thirst. He says, those who hunger and thirst for righteousness shall be filled. I think a lot of times we spend time praying for things we shouldn't be praying for. Okay? When we should be praying for essential things like hunger. You know why God put hunger into your system? So you would remember to eat. Otherwise, you'll die. And so the important thing is not to eat. The important thing is to have hunger. So we pray right now. Lift up your hands and say, God, fill me with your hunger. Fill me with thirst for the things of God. Because when you are filled with the things of God, you know no limits. You know no boundaries. I was thinking this morning, I'm going to go back there, but I was thinking this morning as we were worshiping. I didn't get time to say it, but I wanted to 
I, I just thought, when you, when, when you understand, understanding is a big thing. The Bible says, you see a man who lacks understanding, he will dwell in the assembly of the dead. It doesn't mean he will die. What he does will be unproductive if he doesn't do it with understanding. And I thought how powerful we, we are. Whether we are in the shower or we are congregated here as a congregation, when we meet and the posture of worship just ignites something. I, let me just share a couple of things with you. Um, um, because that's the, where it starts from. It's this intimacy with God. It's this connection with heaven. He says, I will build my church. And the first thing that he builds his church for is that it connects with heaven. And so there's a worship thing. There's this connection of intimacy. Intimacy allows us to realize who we are. And the more, he says, we all with unveiled face, beholding the glory of God, have become like him. I like that. I've become like him. And so intimacy. But it's amazing that sometimes if we're not careful, we can come and we can do the three flasks and two slow. I don't know how many slows we did this morning or how many faster, but it's, it's like a prelude to something. It's not a prelude to something. By itself, it is powerful. Did you realize how powerful worship was that God says, lay on your bed and sing aloud? And then he doesn't finish there. He says he becomes a two-edged sword in your mouth. Man, look at your neighbor and say, I'm powerful. I'm powerful. He says, lie on your bed. When was the last time you intentionally, purposefully lay on your bed and says, I will exalt you. And you're lifted up and magnifies his name. And he says, as you do that, it becomes a two-edged sword. You know how important that is? He even tells you, he says, uh, and the times that you can't do it loud, he says, make a melody in your heart to God. And even that is effective. I mean, what's the devil going to do about this thing? I'm powerful. Whether I sing aloud in the shower or I'm standing at the bus stop and I'm making melody in my heart to God, something is going down. I just love being a Christian. I really do. I get excited. You know, we, I, and I, I live for people to see how powerful Christians are. Man, I, 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 when we gather like this, I, I don't know if you know what is happening. Just because we, we're so used to feeling sensations that when you don't feel something. But faith is not about feeling. Faith is about knowing and being fully persuaded about it. I was telling them this morning that one day we were in worship service and a head of hospitality was dropped by her daughter who had backslidden totally and well wasn't even saved then but you know when she'd been brought to church and was used to going to church and then she decided i've gone to uni i've done that and i'm not doing god anymore four hours later she goes out and the daughter has daughter has not moved the car has not moved daughter's face is drenched with tears not all over the place she says what's happening she says when i came and there was worship god came in the car i'm like yeah god can we have more of those things i want to go out there and there are cars that are arrested but people who told us to stop just because we get a good feeling here i don't have time to go into second kings 13 where the, the, there's, a, there's a king there, and Elisha is on his deathbed, and he calls the king, and he says, come here, king, and he says, put your hand on mine. And he begins to shoot an arrow, and he, they shoot several times. And he, Elijah gives the arrow to him, Elisha gives the arrow to him and said, you shoot. And he shoots three times, and he stops, and God was angry. And God says, who told you to stop? Who told you to stop? You only did three. Why didn't you do four? Why didn't you do five? Why didn't you do six? He says, but because you've only done three, that's all you're going to have. We say over this house, you will go beyond. We remove limits. We remove every false boundary. Who told you that we're enough people here? Man. The danger of the church is become satisfied with too little too soon. Okay. There is a, 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 a what should we call it? Transfiguration. 
They see Elijah. I mean, if it was me, I might, I'm lying there for the next week. I'm not even going to bath just in case. You know, maybe the glory settled on my clothing. And they want to build a tabernacle. And then Jesus says, what, what, what's wrong with you, Peter? What's wrong with you? And we're not building no tabernacle. It's like when we see something. Again, Peter experiences a, a great miracle with the, with the fish and the boat. And, he, and Jesus says, man, chill out, bro. This is nothing. If you, this is basic level miracle. He says, I'm going to give you the miracle of how you speak ordinary words and men's hearts will be transformed. I'm telling you, tonight, to this morning, we widen the gates. We remove boundaries. Self-imposed that are not imposed by God. So that's why we ask for hunger. Because hunger is never satiated. Just when you experience something, it was a bait. He says, ah, I'm reeling you in now. I'm just showing what you have capacity to do. They came out there. You know, I love Jesus' uh, training uh, uh, system and infrastructure. It's practice. You be with him. You, he, he models it for you. Then he releases you to go do it. And then you come back and you give a report. And so there's appraisal. And they come back and they say, amen. Oh, I'm sure Peter said, God, John, God, you should see. Jesus, you should see John. As soon as he did this, people fell. And they did that in the lame. And, 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 and Jesus said, guys, it's okay. It's okay to give thanks. It's okay to rejoice. Just as long as you don't put a full stop where there was a comma. He says, because rejoice. But rejoice more because even hell fears you right now. And heaven recognizes a new grace upon your life. In other words, there's more to come. There's more. Look at your neighbor say, there's more, 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 there's more. Let me just do another one. You know, when we gather like this and we worship. When I first came to England, I'm from Ghana, by the way. And when I first, are there any Ghanaians here? I knew it was a real church. I just knew it. I just said, oh, hey, oh. Listen, well, they took me to Sainsbury, and when I went to Sainsbury, I wanted to see exotic fruit, because I, I thought, exotic fruit. And so they showed me a pineapple. <laughs> I was really offended, because where I come from, pineapple are the cheapest things. Cheapest, like 10 cents, 10p. Wow. They just chop them up and put them in plastic and sell them by the wayside. Poor man's fruit. Then they showed me a coconut. I was even more offended. <laughs> Cheap. Then to add insult to injury, they showed me a mango. I don't eat mango. I went to boarding school. When you starved, you didn't even throw a stone. Because all you had to do is, if you shook the thing, it'd fall. My friend always used to pick from the ground. Nobody picked from the ground. She's called something, something, bend down from now on. She's 60 something. We still, we still refer to her as uh, bend down, you know? It was cheap. It's plenty. You just throw one stone, 50 come down. I don't know why it's exotic and I don't know why it's expensive. And then the Holy Spirit spoke to me. He says, listen, it's expensive because it's rare. The soil might be perfect. The seed might be perfect. But when the atmosphere is wrong, you can't grow it. Atmospheres are congealed. Climates are congealed atmospheres. When an atmosphere is sustained for a long time, it becomes a climate. He said, that's the very reason why you have perfect tropical weather, but you can't grow cherries. You can't grow kiwis. You can't grow pomegranates because the climate is not conducive. What the church has done is we've settled for seed. We never consider the atmosphere. But if you sustain an atmosphere for a long time, it becomes a climate. Climates determine what grows under it. 
I want to ask you, rediscover, what climate, what do you want to see Exeter become? You first of all have to deal with the climate. When you put a climate in place, everything responds to the climate. Climates are governing atmospheres. That's why from now on, we won't do worship for us only. We have to learn how to release the sound. I don't have time for the sound. I hope I'm coming back because we're going to deal with the sound. Everything responds to sound. Have you noticed? There's got to be a time when we worship that strikes hell in Satan. God! Have you noticed how you can watch a film? You're not in the room. And all you hear is, you can tell what's going on in the film. Because he goes, and you know, something bad is going to happen. How do you know? You have not seen it. Sound is communication. So this morning, how did you release your sound when you sang a beautiful name? Was it, what a beautiful name? Or what a, were you making a declaration to whom it may concern? Were you declaring something? Were you dispatching something? Were you changing something? I wonder what it would look like. I believe we're coming to a place where miracles are going to break out. We're not going to have to even mention the word. There has to be a time when miracles break out naturally. (laughs) Somebody will say, I'm walking. I can see. Ah!" Just in the middle of worship. Not when we have an intentional, let's come forward and let's pray. I don't know what about you. But like when we grow to 3,000, who has time to line up people? We're not going to have the time to line up people. There are some things. Listen, it's a bit like answered prayer. You shouldn't be surprised when your prayers are answered. You should be surprised when your prayers are unanswered. Because there are some things that are just natural. We've entered into a new season. Seasons are important. Everything. Seasons determine what heaven is doing, how you must respond. Okay? And in Luke chapter 22... Jesus told his disciples, he says, when I sent you out to preach, he said what? I told you not to take script, remember? Don't take purse, don't take change of clothing, remember? You do remember, don't you? I'm not making any of this up, you can check it out. Or beat the man afterwards, he brought me here. (laughs) Okay, but you do remember. Don't take script, don't take purse, don't take this. Then he goes on and says, but now, just think, I didn't read from the scripture. I don't want people to think, who have you brought that doesn't use the, the Bible. So let me just read to all of you religious people. Luke 22, 35, and he said to them, when I sent you without money bag, knapsack, and sandals, did you lack anything? So they said, no, we didn't lack anything. Then he said, but now, everybody say, but now. But now. now matters. Say, now matters. Now. now means the season had changed. And when the season changes, the instruction changes. So I wonder what new instruction. You will be left out if you continue business as usual. And sometimes the church can move on while some people never move on. Because they assumed things would work the same way as it did before. So they never quite move on with us. He says, let him take it. Likewise, a knapsack. Everything I told you not to take, take. And if you don't have any, buy, sell everything you have and buy. Every advancement is preceded by a set of instructions. Every single advancement is preceded by a set of instructions. We need to pay attention. I wonder how many of you have already made up your mind you're not coming to the prayer seminar. Because you know it already. 
but it doesn't work that way. We have no idea what new instructions we're going to receive. Interestingly, I was saying this morning that in this lesson that we read, there are still missionaries that are sent out without napsap, without change of clothing, because they said Jesus said that. They didn't read the next verse. Huh? We expect missionaries to go with nothing. He said, but now. Jesus was saying that because when he sent them, he was there. They didn't have to worry about food, no tax money or anything. He knew where the latest fish was with that gold in his mouth. But now he's going to leave. They need their wits around them. It's a different context. It's a different set of instructions. Our world is not the same. Things have changed. We need to be on the ball. Yeah. We need to hear what God is saying. We need to create different climates before God. And so that comes, brings me to the next bit that I wanted to talk to you about. As we go, he says, remember, he says, I will build my church. And the gates of hell will not prevail against it. So the first thing is that the church connects to heaven. And I, I, I didn't, that's not my intent. I really don't want to stay too much on the ecclesia this morning. But the ecclesia is not a gathering of people that just come. The ecclesia or the church was not coined by Jesus. It was a legitimate uh, a collection of peoples from society who were put together to decide policy. Wherever any church is, they must decide who goes and who comes in. That's what binding and losing is about. Who, what we allow and what we disallow. It's about time rediscovers, got up and says, these things will not happen while we're here, not on our watch. Amen. Power, Amen. my God, authority, azusia. These things will not happen. I wonder what it would look like. Instead of just going and, and just bringing people to Christ only, what happens if we determine there will be no drug dealing on our streets, not within five-mile yes. perimeter? Amen. That means we pray a certain way. That means we posture ourselves a certain way. Because every ecclesia is a governing thing. By the way, one of the, the tasks of the ecclesia, of the, of, the, of the ecclesia, or what we call in the English the church, was also to declare war. No nonsense. We're not nice, patty cake. They declared war on anything. And today we declare war on anything that doesn't look like Jesus. That's what the ecclesia is supposed to do. Everything is supposed to be answerable to us. We are powerful. So I want to just share some things about who we are. Very important because if you don't know who you are, it is impossible to live successfully beyond what you believe about yourself. It is not possible. You cannot live successfully beyond anything that you believe about yourself. The very first lesson God called Jesus before he started ministry was in Matthew chapter 3. And God at his baptism, one lesson and one lesson only. You're my son. Wherever you go, remember you're my son. Wherever you go, remember you're my son. One short lesson, one short sermon. You're my son. He walks out of the temptation, uh, out of the river, goes into the desert, and temptation starts. And what's the first thing the enemy says? Are you a son? Your identity is always the very first thing because that the enemy comes against you with. If he can't kill you physically, remember, they tried to kill this baby physically from the time he was born in Bethlehem. Thank God for wise men that didn't go back to Herod. Okay? Luke 4:18. he announces his anointing. They tried to push him off the cliff. He disappeared. I like it. Again, I told you about seasons. When you know your season, you know how to behave. Okay? And some of you don't realize, you can, when you know your seasons, you can war with your season. You can war even for your life. They couldn't kill him while he was a baby. They couldn't kill him when he announced his anointing. You know when they could kill him? In Gethsemane. Is it me you're looking for? He, hand, he hands himself over to them. Because 
His time is up. When you know your destiny, when you know who you are, you determine. I like what Simeon says. In the temple, when they brought Jesus to the temple to be dedicated, like we did this morning, he says, now, Lord, let your servant depart in peace. What he said, let me paraphrase for you. He says, death, now I give you permission to exit out of here because I'm ready. I said, Lord Jesus, that's how I want to go. Man, that's, can you understand? You, we, sometimes we behave as though we have been, we are prey to what's happening in society. But the Bible says God has not left us prey to the teeth of the enemy. Now start acting like a victor. Like acting like somebody who had a beginning and an end. Start acting like somebody whose cause has been prepared by God. Jesus said, man, it doesn't mean I can stop the attacks, man. I can't stop the attacks, but I can stop being a prey. My God. He said, you can't take me. But when the time came, he offered himself. Because it is written, this is how. That's why he looked at Pilate and said, you don't take my life. I lay it down. I lay it down. When you know who you are, you behave differently. Your language is different. When they say there's a casting down, you declare there's a lifting up because I I, I operate from another place. I've seen something else. That's what society is looking for. Have you ever wondered why there's such an identity crisis? The gender thing is an identity crisis. Because it started from the beginning. It was how Satan got humanity in the beginning. He comes to Eve and says, has God said, if you eat this thing, you'll be like God. Eve should have paused and said, but I'm already made like God. I'm in the image of God. Do you know how many of us don't think about what it looks like to be made in the image of God? In other words, when God looks down, he sees himself. And we're going to just spend a few minutes just looking at that. What does it look like to be made in the image of God? Jesus goes in and, 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 and because when you're a son, there are two Greek words for son. The first one is technon, a born son. You're born. Those who, were, 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 who believed on him, John 1.12, he made them, he called them and made them to become sons. Technon, you're produced. Sons look like daddy. They behave like daddy. Literally, when they see you, they must see God. That's why he says, let your light so shine. A lot of times we equate the light as an anointing. It's not a anointing. It's the light. He says, I am the light of the world. It's being. Being precedes doing. And being is superior to doing. You You do out of being, out of who you are. He says, let your light so shine that men will see of your good works and glorify your father. Sarah, come up. This is Susan, otherwise known as Emma. Otherwise, no, not, not, not yet. Otherwise known as Sarah, not yet. If I stood, let's just imagine I'm 10 stone. Use your imagination, stretch it. The Lord forgive you. If I stepped on her toe right now, what would you say? I thought you were a nice girl. Why didn't you just pretend I'm a size eight? (laughs) She would feel my owl. She would feel my glory. She'll feel the sum total of my clothing, my intestines, my kidneys, my skin, my hair, the one I paid for and the one God gave me originally. Every one of the... My jewelry. She would feel a sum total. Why are you laughing? (laughs) The rule of thumb is this. Everything God gives you is in seed form. Refine it everywhere you can. (laughs) So 
when she, I stand on her foot, she'd feel my glory, the sum total. That's why we say glory is kabod, is the weight. It's the sum total of everything God is. When he says, show forth my glory, let your works, in other words, let people see me in you. Hi! When you bring a solution down, they say, only your daddy could have taught you that. Remember, Jesus spoke and they said, man, this guy speaks different. He speaks with authority. Jesus says, demonstrate me. By the way, uh, this is for another sermon, but Jesus is not just demonstrated in tongues. He's a sevenfold spirit. Spirit of wisdom. Spirit of counsel. Spirit of understanding. Where did that go? Folks, where did that go? Why did we stop speaking just as tongues? When were we deliberate and said, this community needs some solutions? We're going to download them. Car. That's what Joseph had. He brought a 14-year economic plan that transformed the whole of the Asiatic nation. You go read it. There was HR in there. There was an agricultural plan. What's a plan? There was an architectural plan, building silos. There was a whole business plan. And Pharaoh looked at him and says, I don't have anybody who thinks like you. And by the way, Pharaoh said, you can give me these answers because the spirit of the Lord dwells in you. That's what God was saying. They know the spirit of the Lord dwells in you, but the only encounter they have is one they cannot connect it because it ends with you and me with, you know, bro, they have not seen it manifested yet. But I reckon who designed this world must have solutions for fixing it. For the first time he introduced himself to us, we see him fixing a broken world. Nothing has changed. Nothing has changed. That's why I'm not satisfied to just see people come to Christ. Because when they come to Christ, they must live. They must live and they must live in society. And Christ is not sending them back into a broken place. We must fix a broken society. But that's another sermon. Are you still with me? He says, show forth my glory. By the way, did you know that it was either Darius or Nebuchadnezzar said the same thing to Daniel. When Daniel gave him answers, he says, I know you can give me these things because the spirit of the Lord dwells in you. When was the last time somebody looked at me and said, I know you are like this because the spirit of the Lord. Make that your ambition. That's what Jesus said. When you prove your, when you solve problems tomorrow at work, I tell my young people, I say, don't tell me. Some of them are social workers. Some of them are lawyers. Some of them are teachers. And they complain. They don't like me. Yeah, they are picking on me. They send me all the children who are difficult. I like, they don't give it to you. Who must they give it to? I thought the spirit of the one who can fix things realize it, it dwells inside of you. Tomorrow you're going to work, go to work. You're going to rub your hands again and say, God, let them bring it on. The difficult cases, bring it on. Sir, if they don't give it to you, in whom dwells the spirit of the living God who can do all things? Who must they give it to? This is the problem with the church. That's why people can't associate. It's like we live in another world. Sunday was connection day. Monday is demonstration day. Sarah, do you want to come up very quickly? So I know I was telling you something before, and uh, somebody messed with my head, and it went out of my head. (laughs) It keeps coming and going. You know when something is at the tip of your tongue, and yet, ah, what was I talking about before? Help me out, help me out, help me out.
Identity, understanding, weight. So I'm just testing to see if you're listening. That's all. It'll come. It'll come to me. It'll come. Seven spirits of the living God. Sevenfold spirit. We're still talking about identity. I remembered. When, do you know why identity is such a big thing? When somebody steals your identity, they don't want to be you. Steve. Sean. I knew it was an S. Help me, Lord. <laughs> When somebody steals your identity, they don't want to be you. When they steal your passport, they don't want to be you. When they steal your credit card, they don't want to be you. They want what your passport and your credit card gives them access to. Yeah. Pause. So now think about it. That's why the question of identity is not a small one. I wonder what Satan wants, which is why he's confusing our young people with an identity crisis. That's exactly, he has not changed. Nothing new under the air. He started, he knew as soon as he confused the woman about her identity, he had access to what God had given her. But not on our watch. Everybody say, not on our watch. Not on our watch. Not on our watch. Not on our watch. We know who we are. So when you're born again, you're a technon, but it's not enough. Those who are led by the Spirit of the Lord, they are called what? The sons of God. That word son is not technon, it's who's. Mature sons in whom much can be entrusted. Grow deeper. That's why we have the deeper. So we can mature, and the more we mature, we show that we can be entrusted with great things. God will only give you at the capacity at which you can handle. He told Israel that. He said, little by little, I'll give you the land. Not that I can't give it to you. I'll only give it to you little by little. When you show me, you have capacity to handle it. I want to show something very quickly. So, Sarah, are you wet? She's been so nice to me. I feel so mean doing that, but I'm enjoying it secretly. <laughs> are you wet? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Are you wet? No. Are you wet? No. Yes. Are you wet? No. Let's say this is the Holy Ghost. It has capacity to do something. But this thing hasn't got capacity. This is me. I don't have capacity to do the things that... This, this can do. Okay? So if I want this to be able to do the things that this can do, I baptize it. The word baptism means to immerse. The law of baptism says this. Everything that is baptized takes on the nature and the substance of the substance in which it is baptized. Let me repeat that. The law of baptism says everything that is baptized takes on the nature and the character and the capacity and the ability of the substance into which it was baptized. So if it had baptized this in oil, what would happen? Oily. You could almost fry your egg on it, right? Yeah, because it's oily, all right? Because what? Naturally, it adopts and takes on the nature and character. Are you wet? Are you wet? What this could not do before, the process of baptism enabled it. Why do you think the day of Pentecost was as it was? Thank you. The importance of the nature of baptism of that day was that the church was born in its power. The relevance of baptism was that each man would hear in his own language. In other words, when baptism was over, we become relevant to the community in ways. 
But the power of baptism was the coming of the Holy Ghost. When people were baptized, they put on the capacity of God. Hey, stay with me. That's why we ask you for proof, Jason. Give me proof. Or we ask Nita for proof. Give me proof that you've been baptized. You were loud enough over there. <laughs> so give me. That means she's going to speak in tongues, right? Because it's proof. Did you teach yourself, ma'am? No. You got filled. Yeah, you got baptized. Baptized with the Holy Spirit. You got baptized with the Holy Spirit. And you came up with proof. The tongues of angels that you could not teach yourself. Because you took on a capacity you could not. But let me ask Lady Nita, who told her to stop there? The same spirit who fills you with the language is the same spirit who raises the dead. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Is the same spirit who heals the sick. If there are sick people and we say, come and lay hands, some people are like, they don't feel like they are ready. Do you have half a spirit? <laughs> My dear, do you have a quarter of a spirit? Do you? Do I have more Jesus than you have Jesus? Anybody with a half Jesus? Maybe you left him on the cross, half of his body. Every one of us has the same measure of Christ. Every one of us has been baptized into the same Holy Ghost. Every one of us has given has access potentially to the same capacity of the Holy Ghost. But can I put it to you? Sometimes you have not because you didn't ask. Because in our own minds, we have relegated ourselves. In our own minds, we have appointed, you know when you say that when I grow up, one day I will get there. Who told you that day is not now? As long as there's a need, the Spirit of the Lord is ready to manifest. Yeah. As long as there's a need. I asked myself, as I went to God and I said, Lord, let your river flow. I felt like God was saying, why do you want my river to flow? I said, because God, there are too many people everywhere I turn, addicted to cocaine, addicted to heroin. You know what my dream is? I don't want to bring them first to church. I want to touch them like this and I want to say, be I, even when I don't say be gone and I'm greeting them, something ought yeah. to jump from me yeah. into them. Something, the anointing destroys the yoke and removes the burden. I, wouldn't life be exciting every day? No one that we're not excited. Wouldn't life be exciting every day if you woke up and you knew that yesterday is not going to be a, a, the day the same as tomorrow. You wrap your hands as you come out of your door and say, who are we going to get today? <laughs> Seriously. Who are we going to get today? What is the whole... I, I think the most bored person must be the Holy Ghost. Consider all of this power. Consider all of this grace. Wisdom. Understanding. He didn't even tell you to to, to, to limit it to certain times. But we've become religious people. We're more familiar when the Holy Ghost acts here. I go into boardrooms and I'm teaching leadership. I take pre biblical principles and I borrow MBA language and wrap it around it. <laughs> By the way, you know why? They are handling things on behalf of my daddy. The earth is the Lord, the fullness thereof, the people they that dwell therein. They are handling my property. Yeah. They better have the right wisdom to handle yes. it. Okay? And I borrow, and sometimes we'll be there, and they're like, oh, Celia, when you're speaking with full ghost pimples, I can't tell them it's the anointing. <laughs> or sometimes I've had oil. You know, I've been flown by an oil company to another country to just speak to the executives. And then there's one came, I don't know why I'm crying. She senses the presence. I may be among unbelievers, but I carry the presence. Hallelujah. 
Tomorrow morning, remember, you carry the presence. And the presence does good. I thought you said there was fullness of joy in the presence. Who told you it was only in a religious gathering? Yeah. <laughs> Who told you? Oh, they might say to me, sometimes somebody said to me, oh, I feel like running around the room when you're speaking because something is going on inside of me. I've had Muslims say that to me. And I know it's the spirit. I love the Holy Ghost. Now, I love him when he, play, he, he acts like that in a non-religious setting. So I'm going to, as I get ready, I'm winding up now. Is it okay? Yeah. You okay? Yeah. You're not going to tell him not to invite me again, are you? No. All right. Then. Anyway, listen. One day the Israelites went to war with the Philistines. One of their sinful moments in the Ark of Covenant in whom God's presence was, was captured by the Philistines. They took it. And they took it to their God and put it in front of their idol, Dagon. And Dagon is there. And the following day when they come, Dagon has fallen down. I like it. Yeah. Hey, where I come from, they say, power past power. Man, I love the power of God and I love the wisdom of God. They prompt, prompt, what's the word again? Hmm? They propped him up again, English language. Or is it because I'm thinking of lunch? <laughs> they propped him up again, and they came back. This time his head was gone. I like it when daddy shows off like that. I'm like, sometimes I pray, I kid you not, and I'm like, daddy, show off a little bit, show off a little bit, show off your power a little bit. Yeah. And they were not too sure. So they had David's test. They, they took this box that they said, this Israelite said, contained God's presence. They took it to uh, one of their towns and there was cancer all over the place, many tumors. They finally tied this box to a couple of mama cows and they said, mama cows who just had babies. And they said, when the babies cry, the, if you're a mother instinctively, you will turn to your babies and it will not be able to proceed towards Jerusalem. When they put the babies cried and cried, the mothers were steadfast and kept going. Wow. Then the Philistines knew there is power in the box. They left that house, the box in the house of Obed-Edom. Obed-Edom was not an Israelite. All his ugly daughters found husbands. The Bible says everything that he put his hand to prosper. There's something about the presence of God that rejuvenates. I love it. Maybe the whole earth has been waiting for a manifestation of sons because sons carry the presence. Sons bring God. Are you changing your mind about going to work tomorrow? Stop hating them so much. They need, remember, war is the earth. But glory when the church comes. They need something of the presence. Tell God tomorrow, I want to carry the presence. I want to carry. You know when you carry the presence, you won't have to always initiate a conversation people will initiate a conversation, you'd have an opportunity to show off your God. Sometimes people need a little bit more proof. Sometimes we do a, too much talking. That's why David jealously fought, even at the expense of a man's life, to bring the ark back to Jerusalem because the presence meant everything would change. But the reason I'm telling you this story is this. God says he doesn't dwell in a box anymore. What's his new address? Hello. Right now in Exeter, this is his address, Celia P.J. Collins. 
Does then that mean what the presence in that box did in Philistine, it can do again? Jesus Christ, the same yesterday and today. And for, may God deliver us from telling stories and living the story. May God deliver us from telling stories and living the story. It is real. I've got two points to make and I'm done. In Matthew chapter 11, Jesus says this. He says, okay, parents, please pick up your kids now. That's not Jesus saying Jason or somebody <laughs> said that. Matthew chapter 11, Jesus makes a statement. Are you still with me? Are you learning something from this? Isn't it exciting being a Christian? Matthew 11, Jesus says this. He's talking about the kingdom of God. In 11, he says, Assuredly, I say to you, among those born of women, there has not risen one greater than John the Baptist. But he who is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than John. He says in the kingdom of heaven, every, John is greater than all of your heroes. Who are some of your heroes? Talk to me quickly. Who are some of your heroes? Joseph, full of wisdom and favor. Esther, delivered a whole nation from annihilation. Who else? Joshua, man of war and power, spoke to the sun. Stood still. Can you imagine that kind of power? That's how I feel like right now. Could somebody stop the time in terms of, you know, wonder-working powers like that? Then who else? Noah found favor with God. Elijah spoke fire. I like it when... That's another show-off situation. Elijah was secretly a show-off, right? Who puts water then asks God to manifest through water? You know, I like that. I like people who remove the limits of God. Remove the limits of God. Elisha. Raised the dead. All manner of things. Moses parted the Red Sea. Spoke to rocks. They gave out water. Spoke to the heavens. It brought forth manna. You can imagine, these are powerful people. And the Bible says John the Baptist is greater than them. Ladies and gentlemen, brothers and sisters, John never committed, uh, um, John never, uh, 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 what is the word, um, performed one single miracle. Not one. He didn't even heal a headache. And God says he's greater than Moses, who performed these miracles. God says he's greater than even Abraham, who you call your father. This is serious stuff, Pastor Mark. God says John is greater than Abraham, your father. He's greater than David. He's greater than who else? All of your heroes. And yet John never performed one single miracle. What is it that makes John great? What is it that gives John an edge over others? You see, all of the others, including Isaiah, they prophesied well about Jesus. They had a great prophetic revelation. Even Jesus said to his disciples, your fathers live to see this day that you're eating with me and conversing with me. But as for John, he didn't just talk about the lamb. He saw him. He touched him. He said, behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Hear ye him. He interacted with him on a personal basis. It wasn't a concept. It wasn't a prophetic word. Such as I see, the apostle said, we have touched, we have tasted, we have heard. That was his testimony. That's what gave him one happens over the others. It was proximity to Jesus. He had one leg in the old and one in the new. 
He is leaving the old and he saw the, the God of the New Testament. And it was his proximity to him that makes him greater than others. But the verse doesn't finish there. The verse says this. What does it say? He says, but he who is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than John the Baptist. He who is least. In other words, if somebody got born again 10 minutes ago, they are greater than John. Let's do it. If they are greater than, who is John greater than? Please talk to me. Elijah, Moses, Abraham, Gideon, Esther, Joseph. Is John greater than them according to Jesus? So if somebody gets born again 10 minutes ago and they are greater than John, are they greater than Elijah? Are they greater than Moses? That's you and me. We are greater than these people. Hang on a minute. What makes us greater? See, a lot of times we assess our lives and greatness before people and before God according to achievements. Oh, I preach to so-and-so. I'm anointed like this. It has nothing to do with anointing. It has everything to do with proximity of Jesus. The reason you are greater than John is this. John saw him in the flesh. But Jesus no longer is outside. He has come to make his abode in you. And he doesn't just live here. The Bible says you have become one with him. Literally, when you become one with somebody, it's hard to separate. That which we have is superior to that which Moses had. He had an anointing. We have the anointer with his anointing. That's why you're greater. Now, I'm saying this, it sounds titillating to the ears. This is something that we have to pray and pray over and say, God, let the revelation become enfleshed inside of us so we can live it. Imagine a life where you take the limitations off. Because now, the one who authored all of this thing in these people now lives inside of you. If you ever thought that you were insignificant... You've obviously never been to bed with a mosquito. (laughs) The opposite of the word insignificant is trivial, small, unless, you know, do you know why many of us are not active? Because we're like, what can I offer? They are more clever. They are better people. They are, how many of you have ever felt that? You just feel inadequate in the spirit. It's like, they are always better people. Can somebody describe an elephant to me? Big, strong, tough, heavy, smells, smart, I beg your pardon. That too, maybe. (laughs) It's got a trunk. It looks after its own. Flappy ears, sorry. Never forgets. It's fearless. Do you... Can anybody, has anybody seen a mosquito before? Can you describe a mosquito, sir? Annoying, persistent, noisy, painful, dangerous, expensive if you want to go to the tropics, right? Did you notice what you did? You described the elephant to me largely in terms of his physique. You described the mosquito to me in terms of of its impact. Effectiveness in the kingdom is not about bigness. It's not about achievements. 
It's about impact. We have what it takes to impact. We have enough that when we open our mouth, and you might not have shared the gospel with anybody because you're thinking, you're waiting, I'm not enough. I'm looking for a spiritual moment. But whenever you open your mouth, there's power that backs it. Listen, I reckon, as I finish, that the mosquito probably wakes up in the morning. See? And you know why sometimes daddy goes to bed and says, nobody should disturb me. Nobody. Nobody's allowed to disturb daddy. The mosquito doesn't hear that. It goes into no-go areas. The mosquito is the only one who has the power to disturb your not do not disturb. It enters. And I think the mosquito realizes how much power it has. So it starts with <laughs> And the moment it starts with sound, war has been declared. Now listen to me, it's not big. Most of you ungrateful Africans and black people could not describe it, yet you have known it all of your life. It still doesn't stop the mosquito from doing what it has to do. The moment it enters and it starts making noise, it has declared war, and you reach for a weapon. The mosquito, as small as it is that nobody can describe, is the only one who can get a grown man to behave like a madman. If you have ever been to a mosquito-ridden place, you see people doing this. <laughs> Only a mosquito can get anybody to behave like that. My friend literally was fighting a mosquito. She slapped her own ear and broke her own earring. We are still talking about a creature that you cannot describe. A mosquito can cost you a whole lot of money. When you want to go to Africa or someplace or Asia, at least 120 pounds in injections, and yet you couldn't describe it. Why does the church think it needs multitudes before it can invade Exeter? It's a question of, I told you, nobody can behave in a manner that is opposite of how a man views himself. I believe that God sent me this morning to remind you, you're not inconsequential. You're not small. You came with capacity. War is the earth, for Satan has come and is wrecking devastation. But there was a sound of hope that also came. I will build my church. Amen. And the gates of hell will not prevail. Guess what? The church is right here. He's built it. Now go be. I didn't say go do be because that's who we really are you carry god do god rise to your feet let's just pray for one moment first of all every head bowed every eye closed if there be anybody here you don't know this jesus that we've been introducing you don't know this jesus that we've been talking about please just slip up your hand and say so I can pray with you. You don't know him or you might want to, you've wandered a little bit away. You might want to rededicate your life so I can pray with you. Nobody. There's an army rising up. I hear an army 
rising up to break every chain, break every chain, to break every chain. I hear an army rising up. There is an army rising up to break every chain, break every chain, break every chain. For the last time, say, I am the army and I'm rising up. I am the army, I'm rising up to break every chain, break every chain, break every chain. You've heard enough this afternoon. Talk to God about it. Maybe you need to renew your mind. Maybe you need boldness and courage. Maybe you need to be hungry for more of God. Maybe you want to say, God, I don't even know where to start. I just want you to use me. And if you can use anything, Lord, then I know you can use me. Take my hands, Lord. Take my feet. Touch my tongue. Touch my heart. Touch my eyes. Touch my ears. But God, don't leave me the same as I came in today. God, use me to touch somebody. Use me to show forth your glory. God, open my eyes. Let the scale fall from my eyes so I see capacity. I see strength. I see power. I see wisdom. God, so I can hallow you in me, so I can bring you glory. Maybe that is you. Just take a minute. Every head bowed. Just talk to God right now. Whenever a message goes forth, there's grace. There's grace. That means something is hanging in the air. That means there can be impartation right now. Say, God, I don't want to go out of here weak. I don't want to go out of here lame. I don't want to go out of here insignificant. I want to walk out of here feeling powerful. I want to walk out of here feeling excited. I want you to use me to do something, to show forth your glory, to usher in your kingdom. The good news is that the kingdom has come. Lord. And so I'm available, I'm available, I'm available. Open my eyes to see somebody. Open my eyes to see. Open my eyes to see. Come on. You have not because you didn't ask. You have not because you didn't ask. If you're hungry, he will fill you. If you ask, you receive exceedingly, abundantly above everything that you ask, think, or imagine. So Lord, this afternoon we want to bless your people today. Lord, there's so many communities lying in devastation, helplessness, despair, hopelessness. The enemy is unsheathed, but you had an antidote, your Holy Spirit working through the church. A people valiant, a people strong, a people mighty, a people bold, a people courageous, a people like you. So this afternoon, I ask God that you open the eyes of our understanding. That as your people leave and as they get into their beds, you remind us day by day who we are and whose we are. Where we have come from and what we must do. Activate us in your fire and in your power. Activate faith. Activate boldness. Activate confidence. Activate an awareness of God inside of us. And every day when we come back from being out there, let us bring back trophies of testimonies. Let the weak begin to say, I'm strong. And the poor begin to say, I've been enriched because of what God has done in me, with me, and through me. I pray for Rediscover Church. 
as you go into your deeper, let God reveal greater levels and depths of revelation to you. Father, we say from the tallest to the biggest to the greatest to the least, out of the mouth of our children, you have ordained strength, Father. We say, God, pour out of this place all your spirit, your spirit, your spirit, your spirit. We want to be a church with a difference. Everybody active, everybody in on it, everybody ignited, everybody on fire, everybody a God aware, everybody hungry for the things of God, everybody pressing in, oh God, everybody running alongside, everybody connecting with the fires that you're beginning to do in this place, Father. We thank you for a ministry that you have called to plow, to plow the heavens and over this place. We thank you for the ministry with an apostolic thrust, oh God, that pushes back the darkness, pushes back the darkness, pushes back the darkness. Father, we thank you that they will see the travail of their soul and they will be satisfied. We say to you, God, this place is too small because of the harvest. We expect the harvest, God. You said, look to see the harvest is ripe. So, Father, we thank you, Lord, that you lead us to bring in the harvest efficaciously, week after week, day after day. Not a few people but everyone 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 oh god thank you father for the spirit of the lord at work great shall be the multitude of them that share your word in power in jesus name amen god bless you